TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. It's a Tigers game day. How about that Thursday, September 14, 2023? And welcome in to the Gabe Coon Show. I'm your host. Former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman, Gabe Kuhn, on X at G underscore Kuhn 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That would be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, how we doing? I'm doing great, Ready man. to see Tigers? Oh, yeah. Got a lot of football tonight. Yes. A lot of football. Thursday night football as well. Vikings visiting the Eagles. We also have, by the way, I saw Bethune-Cookman is visiting Miami. And Miami's coming off one of their best wins in a long time against Texas A&M at home. Did you see the get-in price? No. $2. That's it? <laughs> $2 tonight at Hard Rock Stadium. They're really driving Man, a hard find, bargain there. You can My find gosh. $2 walking to the stadium. That's what I, I, I find it unbelievable. I mean, Miami is a once-proud program, but they are not filling it out. I also saw somebody put a fun fact out there. Their game that they opened the season against, against Miami of Ohio, so the Battle of Miamis, there's only 250 more fans. By their attendance, their stadium attendance at the AM game. Fan fan fans are not really latching onto that program anymore, are they? Two dollars to get in tonight to Bethune Cookman. But hopefully it's a higher price. At the University of Memphis, they take on Navy. That'll be a fun one to watch. We'll get to that in just a second. As well as uh, the head coach at Colorado State, Jay Norvell. Not Mike Norvell, but Jay Norvell. He's talking spicy to Prime. I don't get why, but he is talking spicy. To Prime, we'll play that sound and we will discuss it here in just a moment. Um, but also, we'll have some NBA news to get to. Kevin Porter Jr., we'll talk about it in the Blitz, is uh, being talked about in trade talks after his uh, altercation with his girlfriend that led to a felony assault and strangulation charge. So it looks like the Rockets are trying to offload him. He is, uh, according to their salary table, the third highest paid player on that team behind Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Vliet, I think uh, sometimes, yes, it's gross to think about a, a guy with those type of felony charges against him being traded, but sometimes we need to realize that business is business. I'll explain that as we get into the Blitz. Also, Giannis spoke on his future yesterday, and it does not sound good for Milwaukee Bucks fans. It does not sound good. 
but we'll discuss that as well. We'll take a trip around the NFL at 5.30, small talk at 5.50. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins from the Jeff Calkins Show and the Daily Memphian at 5 o'clock. And then 6 o'clock, Ryan Horvat, per normal, BetMGM tonight, uh, Odyssey Sports betting insider. We'll uh, recap week one in the NFL, get a little college football as well, but we'll get some picks for week two from him. Now, Tigers versus Navy tonight. This line has moved pretty substantially. It looks like the, a lot of the public and some of the Sharps are taking the Navy side, and it's gone from 16, 17 to 13 and a half. And I, full disclosure, Connor, I saw that 13 and a half, and that is a very enticing number for me tonight. It should be. It should be. It should be. Uh, I'm not quite not sure that's much. why that that's there. It's uh, I was joking with you when you told me about the line. I was like, did they show? Did they see that Navy's thrown for a hundred yards and panic <sighs> a little bit? Like, what's I I I'm very curious why it's that. Navy is not a good football team. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I I have a lot of respect for them and our service academies and the guys that that show up and and do that work day to day. And and we know that like football is their escape in a lot of ways. But that football team is struggling in a mighty way. I mean, even under Ken Niamatololo, who's a legendary coach, he got fired last year. You bring in Brian Newberry. You think things are going to change. They had all these reports in the offseason of the offense going through some type of evolution. And they were going to maybe throw the ball a little bit more. Well, against Notre Dame, no, they didn't. And they had a chance to because they were down substantially. They, they completed three passes. He went three for six against Notre Dame, and I honestly would, tonight, if Ty Lavatai puts the ball in the air, I think that's a Tigers win. <laughs> I think that the Tigers win in that situation. Then against Wagner, you saw them start to air it out a little bit more. 8 for 13, 161, one TD from Ty Lavatai. But that's Wagner. That's not even a good FCS program. They only won 24 to nothing. I think when we talk about what we're going to learn tonight, you know, I came into the studio, I was talking with Jeffrey and, and Mark, and I said, I, I am prepared to come in tomorrow and say the same things I've said through the first two weeks because that's what I think is, is going to happen. Um, defensively, I don't think you learn much because you're going against just the scheme that you have to deal with in spring camp and fall camp that you have to learn in the offseason, and it's something you're never going to see for the rest of the year. And this team has done a good job against teams that try to spread it out, that have, that have tried to throw the ball, and that is an improvement that you want to see take them through the rest of the year. But against a triple option, yeah, the defense has been great, and I'm bought in on this defense, but I don't think you learn anything against a triple option. Offensively, I want to learn something. I really do want to learn something. But based on what I saw at Arkansas State, it seemed like the same status quo was being kept. Yeah, you have some weapons on the outside. Yeah, Seth Hennigan is a good player. But at the same time, is that run game going to get going and is that offense going to be more balanced? That's my same question. I want to have an answer tomorrow, but I'm still skeptical skeptical about getting that answer. And it's unfortunate that I'm here on that, but I, I do believe, based on what I've seen from this team, if you have a defense as good as what they've shown through the first two weeks, they can pace the early part of the season while that run game gets going. They can pace the games for you. And the, the positive about having a defense – and a secondary, and a front seven as good as what they've shown on the field is you'll always be in games, even against good teams. They can potentially get stops, and your offense has time to, you know, flounder around a little bit, even though you hope they don't. And then ultimately, as the game goes on, they can go score and figure it out for themselves. But that's what I do like about the makeup of this team is I think they'll be in games regardless um, because that defense is so good. Yeah, I think that we've definitely seen through the first two games that the defense is showing the potential to be, you know, 
It's certainly better than it's been in the past, but it could be a special little squad here that they got. But they have to continue to prove it. They've got to continue to prove it because, like you said, the competition really hasn't been there. Navy is a step up from the first two games. It's still not, you know, high-level competition, but it's one that they should take care of business with. In my opinion, this is one of those games where they kind of need to put it on Navy. They've got to prove something here. They've got to show something here. It can't be one of those you eked it out type of wins. You need to beat them by 13-and-a-half or more. I've got to see something from the offense here. We've talked about it a lot. That running game has to get going. Put it on them. Put it on Navy. You're the more talented team on both sides of the football. Put it on them. Um, I, I, that's what I said about these two games after Bethune-Cookman. Leave no doubt. Yeah, Just leave, leave no, no doubt. doubt. That's Please, a good way to say it. Go win the damn game how you're supposed to. If Vegas sets a line for you, push through it. Bang through it. Make it easy on yourself. Show, build confidence going into this stretch of season that's going to be the make-or-break part of your season. As much as you could build a lot of confidence and be happy about these first three games. A win over Bethune-Cookman doesn't really get you excited, but it's 1-0. A win over Arkansas State at Arkansas State the way they did it gets you excited, but it's Arkansas State. A win over Navy, okay, it's still Navy. Once you get into this three-game stretch at Mizzou, well, in St. Louis, cowards. Cowards. Still, I mean, just <laughs> as cowardly as it gets. Then versus Boise State, then you'll have a two-week layoff and have Tulane. In my opinion, after this week, this is when you make or break your season and you show everybody who you actually are. And you need to build as much confidence through this Navy game as you can going into St. Louis next week. 100%. It seems like to me that, you know, as a Tigers fan, and I'm curious what your perspective is as, as a player that was in those Navy games, every time they play Navy, it's always just like, oh, God. Like it's you a just, draw, yeah. You just want to get through it, and you want to beat them down, and you don't, wanna, you don't want it to be close. There has to be a sense of just huge relief. On, when you get the, through when it, you yes. get through Navy yes. Week, when you take care of business, honestly, you no get matter how it, it looks, you it, feel it okay. It kind of feels like okay, now the season, now the the regular season starts. We don't have to deal with this weird triple option crap that always gives teams trouble. It just as a fan, I'm just ready to get through Navy, and it does feel like though, even though I just want to get through this game, this is the first real opportunity to see what this team could potentially to see what be the, this year. I think what to see what the offense side of the ball. Yeah, the is defense really is going to be fine. Defense, I think, is solid. They can show some, uh, you know, some some uh, juice at the point of attack tonight. But you just have to play this team so much differently. Um, and there's just times where you can get demoralized. You want to see them work through those times. You're going to have a lot of subs. You should stay uh, relatively. Uh, you know, you should have your breath about you out there because they don't run offense fast by any stretch of the imagination. I mentioned this yesterday on a short week. This is just one of those quirks in the schedule where it does scare me with injuries. Hopefully they can get out of this game relatively unscathed, but they also dealt with something last week with a secondary member in Davion Ross who's going to be the starting nickel for the year. He's going to be out for an extended period of time because of an injury he sustained in the Arkansas State game. But this is one of those games leading into those three Mizzou, Boise State, Tulane, where you want to stay healthy and you want to build confidence. And I hope they can do that. I hope they can do that. But I am of the opinion I'm skeptical about actually learning anything new about this team going into tomorrow. I hope we do. I certainly hope we do Um, because this team finally has a pulse. I don't think Arkansas State or Bethune-Cookman had a pulse. I'm just keeping it real. This Navy team has somewhat of a pulse. Go put it on them. Show us what you really are on the offensive side of the ball. I want to see – I think one of the things that we can learn is I want to see one of these skill position guys truly emerge. Yeah. Like, be like, okay, this could be Seth's guy this season. Because he's been spreading the ball around, you know, kind of to everyone this season. But, like, I want to see if Rock Taylor can have a big game. DeMar Blankemsey, Toski Dove. I want to see one of these guys 
really have a breakout right. game. He threw it to eight passing. guys in that Arkansas. That's what State I mean. Game. Like I'm curious to see if he's trying to figure out which which one of these guys can be his guy because it always feels like a quarterback has like that's my receiver, that's the first guy I check, and then I'm going to look at everybody else. I want to see which one of these guys emerges as that as that as that. Uh, as that person, I weirdly feel like it might be Rock Taylor because he keeps getting targeted. He's, he's over, the guy. he's the one that he keeps targeting, and he feels but, the most sure-handed. Blankemsey though has a lot of talent. This is the a lot difference. of talent. I think you have three guys in those starting spots at wide receiver who do completely different things. Joe Skates is a guy who can beat you over top, and certainly can run those skinny posts, run those nine routes, uh, and he can do it out of the slot. A slot fade that can get you a big play, big chunk play. He's not necessarily great with his hands, but he is fast and he's big, and he can make plays happen. Um, You look at a guy like Rock Taylor. Rock Taylor is not going to give you much after the catch, but by God, if he is blanketed, he can still go catch the ball. He's a strong, big-bodied wide receiver, good blocker in the run game. I like that. Demir Blankemsey is the guy I really want to see come through because I think you can move him inside, you can move him outside, and that usually is the type of guy on any type of route you want to run who can be the guy that Seth Hennigan goes goes and looks at consistently. Now, we saw it in game one against Bethune-Cookman. Arkansas State, he had one catch for 24 yards, wasn't as sure-handed as he was in that, in that first game against Bethune-Cookman. But I think Demir Blankemsey, as opposed to Joe Skates and Rock Taylor, is the do-it-all, all-around guy that needs to emerge in this wide receiver room if you want to be going at peak efficiency. What do you think about Toski Dove? Because he's kind of been the big play guy well, that Seth's been going. He only uh, has four catches on the season, but right. thirty-one, but well, the average thirty-one I, yards. Don't you don't you catch. get the sense the fifty-two yard catch last week on the RPO was just kind of a, a little flash in the pan because Arkansas State bit on the run so hard there was nobody down, no uh, illegal man downfield, and he was just wide open and got to run. I, I want to see more from him, and I think he'll get his reps. But I think he's similar to Rock in the fact that I didn't see, I don't see a whole lot of speed from him. But I think that he's a big-bodied guy who who's been shown to be good at catching the ball in traffic. Did it at the SEC level against Mizzou. He, that's going to be a little revenge game for him going into St. Louis next week. Um, but he seems like that type of guy, uh, similar to Rock, in that he will be sort of a possession type guy for this team. Maybe a little less run after the catch. But I'm telling you, when you look at a guy that you that I really want to step up, that I really want to show his playmaking ability, I think Demir Blankumsey is that guy. He was really good at Toledo in the nine games he played last year. Had a hundred yard game against a a you know top forty pass defense last year. I, I want to see him show up and show out in a big way. And that was San Diego State, who I'm talking about when Toledo played San Diego State, had a hundred and twelve yard game. Um, he's the guy who I think, you know, just listening to the staff, listening to Seth Hennigan, hearing sort of some murmurs from inside that building, that's the guy they expect to really show up in, in big moments. And he's been sure-handed so far. First game, he was very sure-handed. Second game, he just didn't get as many targets. I'm curious how, you know, one wrinkle to the offense this season that I've noticed, I know that we're, we're still waiting on the run game to really get going, but they've been using those running backs in a big way in the passing yeah. game. What have you thought about that? I think Sutton Smith is a guy who they have to get the ball a lot more to, um, and that's how they're trying to get him the ball. Blake Watson, a guy who can do the similar things to Sutton Smith. I've talked about it. They have three guys listed in that running back room, right? You have Jay Ducker. You have Sutton Smith. You have Blake Watson. Sutton Smith is the Tony Pollard role, if you will. I'm not saying I'm not making a one-to-one comparison to him to Tony Pollard, but he is the guy you can use on gadgets. You can get him out, split out into the uh, into the slot. You can use him as a wide receiver out of the backfield, 
and he he can really make plays happen when he gets into open space. Jay Ducker between the tackles. That's what you're getting from him. That, that, that downhill Bruiser. running inside zone, he's going to bruise for you. He's short, he's stout, he can make those things happen. I think Blake Watson is clearly the guy they're trying to attach their name to as a lead back. But I still want to see Sutton Smith get more involved. And if they need to run the ball between the tackles, if they're trying to salt away a game, I think Jay Ducker needs to be in there as well. But Blake Watson had 20 carries last week. It's very clear they want to get him the ball early, often, and throughout the game. So I I, I like what they have in the backfield, but it still hinges on that O-line and what they can make happen as well, and I haven't seen it yet. I I did get frustrated last week. And now now Ryan has said – Going into this week, they're going to throw a wrinkle, something we haven't seen at Memphis in a while in this Navy game. He's, he's trying to switch it up. There's going to be something triple out option. there. There's going to be something out there. <laughs> he's doing a triple we, option for triple know, option. Maybe it's, a Tevin, maybe it's a Tevin Carter uh, package. Maybe it's different run schemes. I actually more so hate that. that. More so than anything, I think they need to differentiate their run schemes. They're not through two games, and granted it's through two games, they have not played with the eyes of the opposing linebackers. They have not played with the eyes of the down linemen yet. They just run it right up the middle, run it right up the middle, try to run it off tackle, a bunch of zone schemes. They haven't gotten into any counter, any power, anything different in the run game. They have to at some point. And I think there is times where, you know, over the years, they have not used Seth Hennigan's legs. I'm not going to accuse Seth Hennigan of being Michael Vick, okay? Like, I'm not, that's not what I'm going to say. What? But <laughs> when you get into some of those read option concepts and Seth keeps it, I think you've shown a tendency the past two years to hand it off every time in those situations. I think there could be some big plays out there for Seth in the run game if he keeps it on some of those read option concepts. But I, I think more so than anything, this run game – and it depends on your personnel up front, how much you trust them, what injuries you have, what you think about your backs. I think more so than anything, a big fix to this run game is just playing with everybody else's eyes on the defensive side of the ball. Make them cover more ground. Make them learn more plays in their prep. Run a counter every once in a while. Get under center. Run a, run a G lead. Run, run different concepts at them so they are not easily able to to just hop on every inside zone you run at. I think there's been a problem with that. And there is this, this thought out there that Tim Cramsey and Ryan, they're trying to, you know, be vanilla right now because you had Bethune-Cookman, you had Arkansas State. This is really where the season starts. Navy, throughout the rest of the season, you have more, uh, you know, better competition from this point forward. So maybe they were trying to hide some of the run concepts they've put in the offseason. But I, I have doubts and skepticism about that because I've seen Tim Cramsey. I've watched him through, what, 15 games at this point. And this is what is, he's done. It's been jam it up the middle, inside zone, inside zone, one-off tackle, but go back to inside zone. It's just consistently been this way, and I am, I'm very skeptical about a change being made. As someone who's been in the trenches, you were just talking about how you have got to try to trick the eyes of the linebackers in the opposing team. How much of an offensive play, how much does the does success of an offensive play hinge on what happens pre-snap? Because I feel like that that is an underrated aspect of the offensive game that people talk about, the movement, trying to get in the other team's head, trying to trick them. How much of that goes into it? I think pre-snap, I I think it's really in your game planning because more so than anything, what teams will do is you'll find tendencies in film. Okay, when they run a hipped-off tight end, this is what concept they're going to run. If they move the tight end up on the line, um, this is what they're going to run. If they, if they have one back and two tight ends, this is what they're going to run. 
I think that breaking those tendency in game tendencies in game planning is really where the game is won ultimately. Because now you're playing with their eyes, they expect something to come at uh, coming come at them. You may fake that and do something else. I just feel like there's been to a certain extent, and maybe it'll change going forward now that you have some real competition on the other side, there's been a lack of creativity on the offensive side that, is, that has plagued them at least the last year in these two games to start the year. Now, granted, it was 56-14. It was 37-3, so you didn't really worry about it, and the teams were just not very good. But I, I think they need to get more creative as the season goes along to help out this offense and, and um, get more guys, more touches, get the playmakers involved. Right. So give me a best-case, worst-case scenario of tonight. Best case is they run away with it, cover the spread, and they have a 100-yard rusher. That's best case. Worst case, you win the game. Very, I mean, worst case, of course, is a loss. Right, uh, assuming but a worst win. Case, assuming that's worst what I was asking. Is, yeah. Worst case is you don't cover the spread or you, you cover it by the, by the skin of your teeth. You get to a 14-point win, and we've gone through a situation where you're just passing for every yard you can get like it has been with Seth Hennigan. He has to drop back 40 times a game, put the ball in the air 40 times a game. That, that would be the worst case for me. I just want to learn about if this running... Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively... Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Running back crew, if this O-line can pave the way and do some things in the run game to make this offense more balanced. That is a, it's a, it's a big point of contention in this fan base right now. I love what the defense has done. I trust this defense after two games. Can this offense help Seth Hennigan out? That, that, that's my question, and if they don't tonight, I think that would be the worst case. Offensive line seems like they got a lot to prove. You know, they do. Get that run game going. Navy's going to be a physical team. Take care of your quarterback. They do, and I, I think there's also, yeah, maybe they're trying to keep it vanilla for the first two games. You did have a brand new how much? Mu- okay, but coach. how long can you say that? You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like, how long can you be like, oh, we're just I holding think tonight, it back? I, th- I, think, I, th- you know, I think tonight's like, the night where you, gotta, you draw that line. Eventually, this you is, this show. is a Navy team with at least somewhat of a pulse. Go show it. Go yeah. show that you yeah. can. Go show that you can run the well, ball. I don't think it's any secret. Let's be honest about last week. They won the game 37-3. to It was never really in doubt. Right. You wanted to see more, though. Yes. It felt 100%. more. It was certainly more difficult than you wanted it to be for the offense. You, ha- you had a pick six. This is an Arkansas State team that gave up 73 points and a 100-yard rusher to Oklahoma <laughs> the week before. You wanted to see similar results, and you didn't on the offensive end. You, I don't want to hear that you had to go on the road. No, none of that. Yes, it was Kinda. never in doubt, but offensively, it just didn't show as much as I thought you were going to show. Defensively, you were great. And by the way, let's not let's also take into account there were four turnovers that helped the offense pretty substantially too to get to those thirty-seven points. Defense and, is pacing that offense, and not to mention it was thirty-one points, but there was a run-in by Bull Hargrove to end the game. 
<laughs> you know, when they didn't expect that to happen. So we'll see what happens tonight. Now, moving on in college football, we have Jay Norvell, coach Colorado State. Colorado State is taking on Colorado this weekend. It'll be Pac-12 after dark, if you will. Um, but Colorado's 23-point favorites, and Jay Norvell was on his coach's show, and he decided to speak up on Prime. And this is uh, this quote. I don't know why he said it, but this is what he had to say. And I sat down with the ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off, and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother talked <laughs> Colorado by a million. Cool, cool, dude. Colorado by a million. Yeah, That's all idiot. I can say. <laughs> what, why? 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 What a I, dumb I, thing I, to you say. Know, Connor, this was funny to me. I saw a couple of people out there today. They gave me the, oh, well, they're they're already they're already twenty three point dogs, you know. If you're if you're going to get eaten up by the bear and mauled by the bear, why not uh, why not uh, uh, poke the bear along the way? You don't need to. There's no reason to do that. This was going to be a you know uh, the the bad the showdown, the Rocky Mountain showdown, or whatever the hell you call it. I watched it growing up a million different times, um, and this was going to be a sort of friendly back and forth between these two teams. Now they've made it personal, and now Prime gets to pour it on them. Every step of the way, if they get off to an early lead, there is not going to be any type of foot taken off the gas. They're going to show no mercy. And what does that do to your team on the back end if you're Jay Norvell? If you end up losing this game 56-7 to and you're in the Mountain West and you're Colorado State, you really want to compete for a Mountain West championship every single year because that's been sort of the standard. That's been sort of what they, they're trying to strive to. If you lose 56-7 to in Boulder because you've poured honey on yourself – what does that do to your team's confidence going forward into Mountain West play? I just find it really stupid. Bulletin board material is always dumb, and sometimes it's played up too much. But with this Colorado team, it's very damn clear. It's very damn clear. They take all of these things said about them from around the country, whether it be Matt Rule or um, you know unnamed Pac-12 coaches or Jay Norvell in this case, and they take it in and they play harder because of it. They take it personal. And they go after your neck. I just don't get why Jay Norvell went this direction. And also, the connotation of that just kind of bothers me. Are you, are you saying that Prime wasn't raised right? Is, is that what you're saying? You're bringing in mothers now? We're talking about mamas? Is this what we're doing? Oh, you want to talk about mamas? Yeah, but, like, is this what we're doing? So now, now you have made it way too personal and said, my mama taught me right. I take off my hat and my glasses when I talk to grown-ups. One, no, you don't. I've seen you in pressers with your visor yeah, on shut several up, different times. But, but, but beyond that, why are, you, why are you bringing in personal attacks to go after Prime in this situation? I just thought it was goofy all around by Jay Norvell and just lack of taste and dumb. Very stupid. My literal reaction to it was shut up, nerd. I was yeah. like, you idiot. There's pictures of you wearing a hat in a presser, yeah, you if dummy. You're, if you're going to make a claim, Why too. do people do that? Yeah. It's like, do, do you not have a memory? Did you wake up and your memory got wiped and you forgot that there's pictures and photos of you and video of you wearing a hat in a presser? What are you even talking about? It's yeah. a hat. And I, I don't understand why these coaches aren't embracing him. And I don't get it. Prime was talking to his team, and of course, everything is on camera. At, at, of course in the is. Colorado facility, and I like it because it shines a light on what they talk about and how they conduct themselves, and it's been fun as hell. And that's why you see everybody in college football gravitating toward that program. You have all these celebrities going to their games. You have a full full uh, sellout crowd for that Nebraska game. It's like $500 to get in the door this weekend against Colorado State. Um, but I, I like that they do that because it shows how fun it is. 
But you see Prime basically saying, listen, guys, they make it personal. All these other teams make it personal. What do we do? We don't talk about anybody. We don't talk about it. We go about our business. Yeah, we go about our business loudly. But we don't talk about other, other opponents. We don't talk about who we're going to play that weekend. Everybody else is taking all these shots at Colorado, and it doesn't seem like Colorado's sending any out. And that's the truth of it. People would probably think differently based on how loud everything has been around that Colorado program in Boulder this offseason. But they have not talked about anybody else. Everyone else is talking about them and trying to take shots at them every step of the way. And I, 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 I'm getting tired of it. I'm going to be honest with you. It's just so odd. I Especially after these first two weeks when you see them handling business. You doubted if they were going to be able to handle business. But they have gone 2-0 and in massive way. They beat TCU on the road. They killed Nebraska in a rivalry game at home in front of that home crowd. Well, why do you continue to think that you need to talk trash about this team and doubt what they can get done on the field? I think it's dumb. Like, what do you do? For applause from the audience? And, Congratulations, Can I dude. be honest? If I'm putting myself in a college student's shoes, if I'm putting myself uh, back in my recruiting days, I don't know how you wouldn't want to play for Coach Bryant. I don't know how you wouldn't want to play for Deion Sanders. He raises your NIL hopes. That team is good. It's fun. He empowers his players every step of the way. For God's sakes, they have their damn social media handles on the back of their practice jerseys. I, I just don't I don't understand. I don't understand why other coaches want to keep coming after him because now on the back end to those same students that you want to go recruit, they see that and they think you're lame because of it. They think you're being uh, a stick in the mud because of it. Why would they want to play for you if you want to come after one program in the country who's having fun, who I think ultimately a lot of, a lot of student athletes look at around the country that are being recruited and say, I want to go play for that coach, and you're trashing them every step. Is there a, I think that's a bad move. Oh, I 100% agree. I don't understand it. They're, they're just making themselves seem less fun. And it's, it's coming from a place of jealousy and fear. Oh, no doubt. It's coming from a place of jealousy and fear. It's very odd that these coaches are trying to grandstand this bravery toward Coach Prime. It's like, shut up. He's kicking everybody's butt on the football field. His team's having fun. He's, he's taking care of the kid. What's the problem? What's the issue here? What's the issue? Say it's, it. Say well, it. If they want to say it, they can say it. But what's the issue? It's so dumb. The embrace issue, him. This is where college football is going. The, you need to embrace Deion Sanders. The issue is he's thrown a wrench in the game. He's yeah, changed they don't know how the to game in front They're of scared of him. He has 53 new transfers. He's bringing in all these great recruits because he has great relationships with them. He can, he can uh, fundraise really well. He sells his program like they can't. They're jealous as hell. And on the back end, it, it forces them to say stupid things consistently. I just... I, I would not take this sort of dire- – I would not go this direction if I'm any coach around the country. I think it makes you look dumb, and it, and it also makes you look stupid to the general public um, and the recruits that you're going to go ultimately try and get. It's, it, 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 it does not do what you think it's going to do. It's not a rallying cry for you. It's a no. rallying cry for them. If you're his players, are you kind of like, why would you say that? Man, we're about to go into co- – like. Why are you saying that? Why are you giving them bullet points? Like, we're already facing an uphill battle. Do you remember any a, a team or a coach or a player that gave y'all bulletin board material? Do you remember anything? Um, like a certain moment? Uh, and not in particular. I do remember 2018, there was that DB for Ole Miss who came after Memphis and said little brother, called him little brother or whatever. Yeah, so there was that. Um, 
there was this, uh, there was this, uh, I, I will never forget this, Justin Fuente, who I'm going to talk about in the small talk because I think there's a funny story coming out about him and uh, his, his relationship with Duke, foot, the Duke football team. But he had this, uh, the D-line for Houston one year in 2014 had this ESPN special done about them on, on ESPN College Football Show, College Football Live. And it was about four or five rock and how much they uh, love each other and they were singing songs. They're having fun with each other. And they had a really talented group that year. He played it on the TV screens in our locker room the entire week. We couldn't watch ESPN. We couldn't play video games. He just put it on every screen and kept it up with the sound on the entire week. So by the end of it, we were like about about pissed off, about fed up. Now, granted, we ended up losing that game. It was not. Yeah, you don't have to tell that part. You don't have to tell that part. There's bulletin board material. Um, Tell your but story, I, I don't Dave. know. I don't know why Colorado State has to give it to Colorado in this situation. No, it makes no sense. It makes no <laughs> sense at all. It's silly. Yeah, and and just because Prime is doing something a different way, doesn't mean you have to be the same old coach, old time. This is the way it's always been, coach, and be resistant to change. And I think that's why all of them are so threatened, and why all of them keep speaking up is because they're so resistant to the change that he's bringing upon the sport and on the coaching ranks. If you're talking about somebody wearing a hat and sunglasses during an interview, and that's all you can criticize them about, yeah. they're doing something right. Yeah, and uh, don't bring up mamas. Don't bring just, up mamas. Just, I'll never don't bring, bring up, up mamas. mamas. Don't bring up how someone was raised. I just think that's a little. We've all low seen white down. chicks. You don't want to talk about mama. <sighs> goofy, very very goofy. Now the NFL season is here, and it's time to get incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Gabe K. That's my promo code, G-A-B-E-K. Again, G-A-B-E-K. And kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. You must be 21-plus and present in Tennessee. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is now withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 9-18-23. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan. Required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription subscription renews. Cancel any time. Now, Giannis Antetokounmpo, we know that he's a little mum on his future with the Bucks, but he spoke with a podcast yesterday and uh, made his intentions maybe even a little bit more clear. We'll play that sound and discuss it on the other side. Gabe Kuncho, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. It's Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Now, before we get into the Giannis sound that's sweeping the nation right this second, I do want to mention Pete Thamel just put out an update about Army and the AAC. We haven't heard about it, uh, heard about it since last week. Uh, but per his sources, he says Army and the AAC are continuing to progress their talks about Army joining the league as a football-only member. A realistic timeline for a decision is the end of the month, so that could be relatively quickly. It seems like it's moving along in the right direction. Um, he says there's optimism on both sides as they dive further into details to figure out a potential agree- arrangement 
the Army-Navy game would be a non-conference game if Army joins the AAC and still would be played after the season. So they would not get the Army-Navy game on their uh, ESPN deal, which is kind of a, a, a sort of slap in the face. But I, I, I hate to say it, and I, I mentioned it at the time, and I think people understand where I stand on this. It, it does feel like a lack of imagination, Army joining the AAC. I think there's a lot of other programs that you could add for football and for basketball whether it be Liberty or Louisiana or all, there's a lot of different options there and they're not going through those. They're deciding to bring in army to create that army Navy relationship just for football only. I just, I, Mike Oresco, based on the way he has talked in the past, I figured that he'd be a lot more inventive when it comes to expanding this conference with SMU headed to the ACC. And he doesn't seem to be, doesn't seem to be there. Yeah, I'm not against Army no, joining at all, not. but I'm also not going to lie and act like I'm excited about it. No, it doesn't do much for you. I'm, here's my reaction. All right. And as a, <laughs> that's, as, that's pretty much it. As a, foot, <laughs> as a football only, we've seen sort of the deterioration from Navy with Service Academy football. The NIL situation, the recruiting situations, they, the hoops they have to jump through has deteriorated their product, and I don't think adding them as a football-only member strengthens your football product really in any way, shape, or form. I could be wrong on the back end. I hope I'm wrong on the back end if they ultimately end up in the AAC, but it just doesn't seem like that's the case. Now, Giannis Antetokounmpo was on the 48 Minutes podcast with the Believe Podcast Network, and uh, he's done a lot of speaking up on his situation with the Milwaukee Bucks uh, if you pay attention to uh, his contract, he's got two years left with the Bucks, and then he'll have a player option in 25-26 when he's 31 years old. He'll be an unrestricted free agent in his 32-year-old season when he, in, in 2026. But uh, with this podcast, he, uh, he definitely went after it. He made it very, very clear how he, uh, how he feels about his situation with the Bucks. As long as we play and we approach the game every single day, the right way, and we all sacrifice for a common goal. I can see myself being in Milwaukee Bucks for the rest of my career, but the moment I feel like people are not committed as a, as as I am to get that uh, golden pin in the back, I, I I am not. You know, I am I'm a Milwaukee Buck, but most importantly, I'm a winner. I want to win. And uh, I have to do whatever it takes for me to win. And if there's a better situation for me to win the Larry O'Brien, I, I have to take that better situation. He says he's a winner first, and if there's a better situation for him to go win and win a championship, he'll leave. Hey, this is very clear. First of all, I mentioned it when he talked earlier in the offseason. These are shots ahead of time with the Bucks to say, hey, get it right or I'm gone. I'm, I'm being very clear about this. And also, it softens the landing when he does leave. We've had a lot of uh, uh, different uh, star players leave their situations, and people get hammered for or people hammer them for it. Giannis is being very clear ahead of time. If I don't feel like I can win, I am out of Milwaukee. And let's be honest about Milwaukee. With new ownership group, uh, you have aging stars and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday who have who've, who've fallen off a cliff. Well, Chris Middleton fell off a cliff last year. Drew Holiday, I still think, has some good ball to play. And Chris Middleton could. It's just he's going to have to get back to it, even though he's aging. They don't really have any type of young players to look forward to. Marjon Bochamp I'm fine with, but he ain't going to be the, the guy that gets this team over the top as a young player. Um, so I get his worries about the Bucks' direction. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at their 
roster construction and you look at their payroll and who's going to be under contract in a few years, it's quite literally nobody. There's no plan for the future right now in Milwaukee. There's just none. They're in a win-now scenario. I understand that. But there has been zero looking forward to the future. I totally understand where Giannis is coming from. And to be quite honest, I kind of appreciate him being this honest about it. I also want to add, I don't really think this has anything to do with like, oh, this is bad for small markets. This means oh, bad things that, for small markets. That. And start that, players that was leaving. out there yesterday. And uh, we, let's put this into perspective here. Giannis <laughs> is going to be there about a decade. He won them a ring. And he's quite literally asking to stay longer yes. as long as they put a yes. contender around this him. Is not How is that bad? How is that bad for small markets? Yeah, I saw How is that, that out a shot there small and markets? I, I, I found it I don't found understand that. I've I, never, I don't foolish. understand that thought process. I... I guess the thought process behind it, and this has always been the case with small markets, if you go to a bigger market, they're a lot more inclined to spend money to uh, put people around you, go into their own pockets and use the cash flow they have to bring in better free agents, uh, trade for better players. I guess that's the thought process. But, no, this is not a this is not a shot against small markets. He's been there for a decade. He won them a ring. They're always Eastern Conference, like, they're they're Eastern Conference contenders every single year. They're if not they're, the favorite. They're, yeah, they're they're uh, finals favorites every single year. They're way up there. So no, this is not a shot against small markets. And I hate to be this guy. And you already mentioned it to a certain extent. I hate to be the Giannis gets it guy because I think we get a lot of that, and people get annoyed with Giannis and um, sort of his his win mentality. He may not have the same mentality of some of the American players in the NBA. Obviously, there's there's some crossover there, but Giannis understands it from the fact that I've watched Damian Lillard putz around with the Portland Trail Blazers for going on five years now, and they've never been able to surround him with a winner. But you know what? He didn't want to cheat the grind. That was always his discussion. Oh, I don't want to cheat the grind. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to do all this. We're going to, we're going to get to a championship sooner or later. They never did, and now that franchise and him are behind the eight ball. They don't know what to do. He wants to go to the Heat. We have a memo coming out saying, well, don't try to force your way to the Heat. He says he won't play or even show up to camp for another team if he gets traded to another team besides the Heat. And the the Trailblazers have his trade value in the gutter because he said that now. So we've seen that. We've seen the James Harden situation. He'll sign on. He'll have great intentions, supposedly, in the beginning. And then by the end of it, he's saying, I want to get the hell out. Daryl Morey's a liar. He burns the bridges with everybody. Chris Paul, Dwight Howard, whoever he's been around, he's burned these bridges. Giannis Antetokounmpo is saying way ahead of time, I will cheat the grind. I'll get the hell out of here. I have two years on my contract. I have a player option that I can decline. I know I can get a max contract elsewhere. I know I'm going to be wanted elsewhere. You're not handcuffing the Bucks long-term by telling them ahead of time, sending these warning shots, where I think Dame Lillard, James Harden, and other superstars have handcuffed the, the, the franchises they've been on in the past by sort of putzing around and, and then ultimately asking for a trade request when it's too late. It's giving the Bucks to make a real decision. They have time to make a real decision here. Do we yes. want to recognize that the era of the championship window might may be closing for us, or do we want to extend it? You have a choice to make, and you have about a year to do it. Like you said, he's got that player option. He's got two years left on that deal. He is telling you two years out, listen, I'm not going to sign that deal unless I feel like there's a contender around. At least he's not signing the deal and then asking for yes, a trade. Yes, exactly. That he's makes things a lot more complicated. If I, get, if I get to the year of 2025 
And I don't think that we're in a position to go win a Larry O'Brien trophy. I will opt out and go elsewhere. He's basically saying, he's telling if you. I make it to 2025 and Grayson Allen is still my starting shooting guard, <laughs> I am getting the hell if out of Milwaukee. If my backup point guard is Javon Carter, like, I'm out of here. I mean, it's very it's, Look at the roster. It's very clear. I don't blame him for saying this at all. It's an aging roster that is showing signs of going downhill. I, Drew Holiday had did not have a very good season last year. Chris Middleton can't stay healthy. Brooke Lopez is going to be another year older. Bobby Portis, another year, year older. Pat Connaughton's not good enough to get it done. But Grace Allen, not being, good enough to get it done. I, I guess a long story short, point being for Giannis, he's doing this whole thing, potentially going to a, a bigger market, whether he goes to New York or wherever. I don't know. He's doing it the right way. Yeah. And I, and I applaud him for that. Whereas other superstars have do- gone about this completely wrong. They sign the contract and they realize they don't want to be there. And they handcuff franchise by saying, I don't want to get traded there. I want to go to my hand-picked market. Giannis isn't doing that. He's saying, listen, if you don't get it figured out, I will be a free agent. And I'll go wherever the hell I want to go. And I think that is the correct way that this thing needs to be done. And I think the NBA, ultimately, based on what they've seen this offseason, they probably appreciate the NBA league office, Adam Silver. They probably well, appreciate especially the after way the he's comments he made it. yesterday. Yeah, it's talking about Dame and, and the James Harden situation where he's talking about how he just doesn't like it. He just doesn't like it because it, it handcuffs these NBA franchises. I mean, the Sixers are kind of in purgatory right now, and so are the Blazers. Like, what yep. are they supposed to do with these two guys? Yep. What are they supposed to do? And there's no uh, deal done Unfortunately, yet, which is strange Here's the too. thing. Unfortunately, the, the reality for the Blazers is they're going to have to do the Miami trade to do anything, and it's going to be lesser value than they should be getting for yes. Dame, and it's and you can directly blame it on Dame. Yep. Period. Now, if Gian, I could be wrong. If Giannis comes halfway through the year or next year and says, I want the hell out, then we could... Re- revisit this, but it doesn't seem like that's his. his if he game does plan. that, it'll be it'll be the year. It'll the year before I could his player see it option. Be, around the deadline next year, though, it, that's when it's going to start. It'll start yeah. around the deadline because he's unless that be team's like, good and Chris Middleton's healthy and Drew Holiday's healthy and playing good ball. Because that's another thing. He's not doing this because of the money. He's doing it. He yes. wants to win. Yeah, he wants to win. He's it's some people give Giannis, you know. Crap, because they think he might be corny because of all this talk. But that's—I think that he like fully believes. I just want to win. Yeah, I—I've made my money. I'm—I am who I am. I want to win. I want to build a legacy. You can he, call that corny. He but wants I think to that's, do it. And he wants to do it in Milwaukee. But if they don't—if they don't put the pieces around him, he has every right to bounce. I, to be quite honest, I would like to see him in New York. I okay. think it'd be great. Yeah, I think he'd be that team would be awesome. It, but here's the thing about him: whatever market he's in is going to be followed. Yeah, so. And please don't do the small market thing. We've already discussed that. Now, also, uh, in the NBA, because of all the issues we've had with Bally Sports and Diamond Sports and the bankruptcy and what we're going to do going forward with local TVs and cable networks, I don't know where this all ends because of the, the failures of Diamond Sports Network and or Diamond Sports in general and them going bankrupt. But the Phoenix Suns have made their plans of having all their games free on local television, and I thought this was really cool. They're giving away free TV antennas to fans. In April, of course, Matt, Matt Ishbia, the new owner, uh, announced plans to ditch cable TV, instead broadcasting 70-plus games on local channels and uh, tripling availability to the fans in the area there in Arizona. Now, all you have to do if you're in the state of Arizona, you can fill out a form, and the Suns will ship you an antenna free. I think that's pretty damn cool. That's, that, that, that is... That is how you're supposed to go about your business. And, like, for once, for once it feels like consumer wins. In one market, the fan and the consumer gets to consume what they want for free. Their home team. 
That's fun. That's I, good. I think it's, I, I I can disagree with the way Matt Ishby has put together that roster. He's right, choking right, it to right, death. Right. But what he's doing what for his fans, uh, he's doing them doing doing right by them, and I like that. Absolutely, he it's he's got his new toy and he is going nuts with it. And this is a really good idea, and I think it benefits the fans. I'm in favor of it. I still think they're going to be an awesome team. They're going to be fun yeah, to watch. They're going to be a they're going to win. win they're going to win 50 but games. But I, I just get I have questions about the depth. Playoffs the depth will pop up in the playoffs, but that regular season, oh boy, it's going to be fun to watch. They need to bring back campaign. How about that? They should. They really should. Yeah. Look at the roster. Makes he makes a ton of sense. Yeah. He makes a ton your, of your sense. Your main ball handler is Brad Beal when he's off the floor and, uh, you know, Booker. You, you could, you could, yeah. you could use camp- in campaign knows Devin Booker and he can get the, and Kevin Durant. He can get those guys they open. They love him open. there. Yes. They love him in Phoenix. Yeah. I Bring him it, home. I think Bring it would make home. a lot of sense, although it's a different coach altogether. So you don't know the, yeah. the use of him. So. Same front office. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Isaiah Thomas yeah. being around. Yes, <laughs> yes. But Jeff Calkins is scheduled to join the show next. We'll go ahead and get to that right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported. 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.